You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. What is going on, everyone? This is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of DadWork. I am joined today by my friend and mentor, my personal mentor, Scott Ramage. Guys, this is perhaps one of the most fired up I have been listening back to one of these podcasts. It is excellent. You're going to learn a ton on this. Scott is a very successful family man, successful businessman. He's got a lot going on and he shares a lot of wisdom. We're going to go deep here talking about how Scott has navigated raising his teenagers, He's got a couple of boys, both teenagers, while building a beautiful marriage. The power of doing the hard work ahead of time, being consistent and having a strong moral foundation as a father. The importance of having clear boundaries and natural consequences to help train your children to be excellent. Why every father needs to have that solid moral foundation and how to bring those values to your family, leading with extreme transparency and communication inside your family. How to balance serving your wife while also being the true leader of your family, the golden key to the sex life of your dreams, and how to become a more refined warrior, husband, father, and man through the power of community. Scott Ramage is passionate about helping men become leaders in their homes and communities, and that is why he co-founded the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, a group of men to help each other step up and lead, do hard things, and never settle on good enough. Scott is the host of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast and Stories That Sell podcast. He has been married for 26 years and has two teenage boys. Scott enjoys lifting weights, rucking, snowboarding, mountain biking, and traveling with his family. He's the owner of Media Machine, a company that provides media services, virtual assistance, and podcast production to small businesses and coaches. Scott is a productivity nerd and loves leveraging systems to get more done in less time. And guys, you are going to want to check out thebrotherhoodoffatherhood.com slash events. We talk about this a little bit in the podcast. This is one of the events that I am trying my hardest to get to. I don't think I will be able to do it because my wife will have just had a baby. I don't know how I'm going to travel like that. But guys, if there was any possible way, this is one of the few events I would make an effort to get to. Highly recommend you check that out and check out Scott's podcast, Brotherhood Fatherhood podcast. He's also got a Facebook group. A lot of good stuff going on now. Guys, if you have been getting value out of the show, which I know for a fact after today you are going to, please leave a quick review and rating. Apple, review, Spotify, rating, takes two to 30 seconds, genuinely helps get this into the ears of more men. And after today, you will understand why everyone needs to listen to the Dad Work Podcast, if they're a husband, if they're a father, if they want to be the greatest, most elite man that they can be. Anyway, guys, you are going to love this. I won't say any more. We'll get right into the episode with Scott Ramage. Here we go. All right, dads, back for another episode of the Dad Work Podcast, round two with Scott Ramage. And uh, since we last spoke, this was episode like 41, I think. This was ages ago in uh, in our relationship, in my life. Like this was, dude, everything has changed since then. And now I am like very proud and uh, very humbled to call you a mentor and a friend and someone who's like really um, just breathing into my life. So I'm pumped because as we talk about family, you, you're just really good at this, man. <laughs> like you're just, you seem to be really good at this and you've got very wise, grounded and nuanced things to share. So I want to bring you back on, uh, for a few reasons. And, uh, I think we'll just like have a conversation 
and start shooting. So let's just take topic wise and let's start with teenagers. Okay. Cause hmm. my oldest is almost 10 and I've had a lot of requests from guys who listen to the show who are like, awesome to hear guys going through stuff, what I'm going through and succeeding. And could you bring more guys on who have teenagers, 20 year old, et cetera. So can you just like, I don't know, man, I don't know if you want to give like a bit of a background. I'll read your intro to beginning. So like guys will know who you are, but okay. you have two teenagers now, or is it just two almost two teenagers? Okay. Yeah. And what is that like? <laughs> How have you prepared? Like, do you want to just dive into whatever comes up and then I'll pick that apart as we go? Yeah, absolutely. So, so two teenagers, quite honestly, it, it, it is a, it's, it's a roller coaster and it's, I, I want to preface this with, I have two boys. Um, and so boys are much different than girls. I'm very aware of that. I did teach in public schools, middle school for 13 years. So I have a lot of experience with uh, teenage girls and, um, you know, not from a par parental point of view, but I did see the hormones and the things happening and, and the real battles and, and, and trials that kids go through this, especially, you know, middle schoolers, those, those really tumultuous years, 12 to 16, 17 are just really difficult. And, you know, I think my main message, if I could wrap this up before we even get started is let's go do the work ahead of time. Like this is the, why are my wife and I incredibly proud of our kids and have very, very few issues. Because we did the work. We did the hard work early and we've been consistent and we've had a moral foundation. We've been, we talk, we talk all the time. We don't hide things. We show our emotions. We talk about our emotions. I mean, I could go on and on and, and I think we want to pick this apart a little more, but really it, this is years of work. So right now I have a 15, a, uh, 14 year old turning 15, like next week and an 18 year old who happens to still be living in the house, but very, for a very purposeful reason. And Kurt, I'm telling you, we have zero issues and we have had zero issues for years. And many people, Oh, that's just luck or, you know, personality. And like, if you look at me, I was not that way. I had an amazing upbringing and learned a ton from my, my parents, but um, it's definitely upfront work. And that's the thing I want to share with men. I want them to know like, Hey, if you want to have a really great relationship with your kids and you want them to be serving their communities, be leaders in their school, be a pillar of how you act in a community, um, serving others, working really hard, you know, watching, watching what they say, no, no really snarky attitudes, those types of things. It all starts as early as you can possibly start it, man. Okay. So doing the hard work early, being mm. consistent, a moral foundation, communication, emotional mastery, awareness, relationships. Uh, those seem to be the themes that I just picked out of that. Uh, do you want to dive <laughs> into what the, what you mean by doing the work first? Um, because we'll get into consistency and moral foundation, communication, all that kind of stuff afterwards. But like, what is this work that you're talking about? What lays that foundation that like you just keep doing that has success? Is there like a few things or? Oh Yeah. So first of all, I'm going to make a statement that I really struggle with personally. And I've actually heard you talk about this in your content as well. And that's the word obedience. And so um, I think there's the real fine line between creating a robot, a machine, someone who doesn't think on their own, but also having a really 
established line of, you know, black and white, very black and white. And what we used to say, and right now I have, I have a little different perspective on it, but we used to say delayed obedience is disobedience. So, Hey, come down here and do your chores. And five minutes later, they're down. I'm like, you came down. However, what you did was disobedient. And so I want to be very clear that I want independent thinkers. My kids are independent thinkers. I absolutely want independent thinkers. But what my wife was really good at, and I'm, I'm going to be very clear, my wife is a leader in this area. And I learned because I was very immature and she was actually mature in this area when my kids were young, was there is a black and white and you never waver from it. And so when we're raising our kids, it's either you do what you're supposed to do, you act accordingly, you're safe. We, we always like looked at it in terms of safety. Like, okay, if I'm going to tell you to stop, it's because I know that if you go to the edge of the road and you're, you don't look like you're going to stop, a car is going to panic. That's dangerous. So understand, we always gave a reason for why. And it didn't have to, it was never like, because I said so it was because we were like, Hey, look, let's look at the bigger picture. Even when they were too young to understand, we were explaining a car, an adult driving car doesn't know that you're going to run to the edge of the curb and then stop. You're going to scare them and they might panic and actually end up hitting you. So when you run to the curb, when we're saying stop, it's because we want to be safe. We want you to be safe. We want you to understand that what you do has consequences but what you do also affects others. So we, from the very early time, were explainers. And not to the point where they're like, well, why? Well, why? It was proactive, very proactive. I've always felt the more that my kids understand the why ahead of time, the less I have to deal with it in the moment of turmoil, in the moment of they're going through something and maybe it's rebellion the more we can do that ahead of time. So it's doing the hard work. It's talking, expressing, being very clear. And there is a time when you're saying like, someday you will understand that, but that's a little condescending. The more we can talk to them at a point of, let me explain the best I can at your level, they might not understand it then, but over time they're going to understand it. By the time they're at that age, they're not going to question you. They're going to be like, my parents have the best for me and I'm going to follow what they do. There's another caveat to this, though. You as the adult have to model what you're talking about. This is key. You can't talk something and do something else. That is incredibly destructive. So I attribute my boys doing just amazingly well right now to all the hard work early on through really, really in-depth conversation and always being very black and white and clear. Like if you disobeyed, if you did these things, then there was consequences. It's like, if you didn't go to bed at eight and we said to go to bed at eight, there was consequences. 801 is not eight. 803 is not eight. Even if you said, well, my pajamas got stuck, I couldn't get them on. Well, then you should have started getting ready earlier. We literally lived, that was so hard for me. I'm like, Kim, hey, babe, like, come on, he's three, you know, or whatever. And she was so resolute on that. And I started to see like, oh, wow, this equates to further in life showing up for class. Well, I didn't, my peachy was stuck in my, in my locker. Well, Hey, hundred percent accountability. That's on you, bro. Like you should have like been prepared earlier. So what we want to do and something I've been saying for years is we're not raising children. We're raising future adults. 
we're raising the future. We cannot treat them like children. We have to train them and model for them and give them real clear expectations of what it looks like to succeed. Mm, man, that, that was awesome. Thank you. There's a number of things in there that I'm picking up on that I want to go deeper on. So like, we're just going to dive deeper and deeper and deeper as we go. Uh, a few things on that. Number one, there is the question of obedience. I think a lot of people, um, myself included, were, or I was, triggered by that because I was like, oh no, the free thinker thing. And only since uh, becoming a Christian am I like, oh, I get it. Uh, part of me training them up in the way that they should go is giving them a, an example of what it means to be obedient because I want to be obedient to God. Right. And if I want them to do that, then needing to lo- know that obedience actually is a virtue, unlike what I posted before. But that 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 mindset shift for me was like in the thinking and in sort of society at large and in a place that maybe a broken society, I don't want them to go along and just be like, okay, government, whatever, I'm just going to do what you say. But to me, as God's representative to them, like, dude, they should definitely obey. Um, and now in that, I want people to like to hear this for for what it is. There were consequences and you're modeling it. And you're, I think what I'm getting from doing the work is like, you're just engaged, man. You're just engaged. You're doing the right thing. You're always looking at how you can lead your kids with communication, all that kind of stuff. And when there are consequences, like you were just saying with the pajamas, there's trust that gets built for you because they're like, I wonder if my dad's going to like come down on me now. It's like, no, no, no. I know my dad will hold me to account because he's got high expectations because he can see my potential. Now on that point though, can you give like an example of what those consequences might be? Cause we do the same thing. It's like, there are boundaries, there are consequences and you're just not going to have enough. Like we won't have enough time to read tonight if you don't get into bed right now. That's it. That's it. That's all there is. So what were some of those consequences that can work along the way? Maybe even like a few examples, if any comes to mind, uh, yeah. that are like, here's the boundaries. What would a consequence be in that case, for example? Before we say go there, I want to I want to make it very clear. My wife was very good at this in the early ages. I did not mature into this. I, I followed suit, right? Like she's just black and white like that. It wasn't until later in life, and that's part of my story probably we talked about in the first episode, where I started to like carry on and understand the impact of this. And then when you have that team, it's even more powerful, right? We really tried to stick to natural consequences. So a natural consequence, like if you're late because you know your pajamas took, okay, well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to move that bedtime back to 7.55 because they were going to make sure that everything um, is ready or like you said, well, we don't have time to read now or whatever it is. And sometimes that will in that child is so hard. We're not trying to break the will. We're trying to relate the choice to a natural consequence or what this looks like in real life. Like you'll lose your job if you're late in your in real life. You'll lose pay if you're late in real life. So how do you equate that into, you know, reality? And that was always kind of the drive, like, how do we do this? But really, I think you're going to, parents, you're going to have to do this less and less the more consistent you are. And what I would challenge anybody that says, my kid is super strong-willed. Yes, there are super strong-willed kids. But I would challenge if I said, okay, if I had a looking glass into every scenario where you ask them to do something and they don't, and how you responded, would you say that 50% of the time you might waver a little bit? And I I would guarantee, I would put a personal guarantee that it was 50% or much, much higher. And 
um, you know, with my degree in psychology and master's in education, I'm going to tell you, kids need to know where their boundaries are. If there's any, any interpretation to that, they will consistently and constantly push it until they feel like they're not like doing this on purpose. It's built in. It's a behavioral thing that we have. They're going to find that breaking point. And so kids that have less and less idea of where that black and white line is are going to continue subconsciously pushing and finding and reaching. This is a safety. This is like, where am I safe? Who's got me? Who's taking care of me? Who's in control? And then where is that spot? It's almost obvious. You look at a home where there's no structure. Those kids go to school and they're always pushing, 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 or in the community, they're always pushing, pushing for that boundaries. They are starving, starving for someone to say, that's it. But they're not trained to know how to respond to that. So there's this whole process that has to go into place. But if your kids are constantly pushing, there's a good chance they're starving for real boundaries and understanding and clarity from you. Mm, man, thank you for being the one to say that. Cause I feel like if I have to tell another guy that, uh, I'm going to, my <laughs> mouth is going to fall off yeah. and it's like, yeah, I saw that in my own life. And this is why I'm so strong on this is because when we finally figured this out, the boundaries and consequences were the way to go, uh, rather than just like, Oh, I'm angry. So I'm going to punish you. And it's like, it's a punitive thing. They don't learn anything. And it's usually just cause I'm angry. It's like, Oh, if I tell them up front, which is what you said before, over communicate in a sense. Mm -hmm. And then if I just stick to it, they will be upset. And I think this is what a lot of parents, probably moms and dads, struggle with. It's like, well, my kid's upset, and then I'm going to get upset. And it's either they can't handle their kid being upset, or their own anger at the annoyance or the sound or whatever of their kid being upset makes them waver. And that could be wavering in the, okay, it's fine. Or it could be wavering in the, now I'm just going to bring the hammer down on you right. because you made me upset. Right. So yeah, having those consequences, um, be repeatable and what we do, and maybe tell me if you guys did anything similar. Um, we started at things that were going to happen every day. So they'd learn them faster. Mm -hmm. So yeah. mealtime, shower time, bedtime, every single day, we just started with this new section or, you know, every week or two, be like, okay, mealtime. Now we sit at the table, you're not going to get up. You're not going to do X, Y, and Z. And, and here's why. And then if you do, looks like you're playing at the table. And when you play at the table, I'm going to clear your plate for you because you're done and that's it. And it's like, as soon as that happened three or four times, you're like, oh, okay, we're serious. <laughs> and yeah. Things just changed. Yeah. It's amazing what happens if you just stick to it. Did you guys see the same? Yes. And I kind of hate throwing my younger under the bus right now, but he's not going to listen to this. So my 14 year old um, has a new set of friends. It's a very positive environment. But they, he's back to playing that one game. I, I can't even think of the name of it. It's online. Everybody plays it. It's free. Um, and you can communicate through it. We're really strict on his usage of games, but he, he's a ninth grader, you know, he's 14. And this is an example of this working. We noticed his grades going down and he would come home and he'd start playing this thing. And my wife and I are talking like his grades are going down. He's spending all his time playing this game. We see a, a direct correlation here. And so I was nervous. She goes, we've got to talk to him. I was so nervous to talk to him. We sat down and talked to him. And this is the beauty of building this because I said, Hey bud, here's a pattern I'm noticing. When you come home and play your game, hey, you're still working out. He's still working out. It's awesome. But when you come home and play your game, yeah, you're doing your homework, but it's really quick and you're not doing any extra time studying and your grades have been going down. He's like, hmm. And I'm like, so here's what we're going to do. You're either going to spend the time you need to spend doing it. And then if there's any time left, you can play. Or if this continues, we're just going to not play the game 
all week long. And so at this point, you can either prove us wrong or you can prove us right. And the consequences are on you. You can still play it on the weekend as long as your homework's done and, and you're getting good grades. As soon as those grades stop, slope even in the wrong direction, we are implementing that black and white. He knows exactly where it is. But we're so far at this point that we stuck to it that his response was, oh, yeah, OK, I see that. OK, I'll do that. And instead of I was literally thinking we were going to have a war on our hands. It was such an easy conversation. It was so easy. Wow. And, and like, you know, and it'll probably work for a week and a half. And then we'll probably have to come back to the conversation. Okay, we notice your time going up. Um, but there's another thing we do every single night we're together, which is at least four nights a week because we make it a priority. We eat dinner together. And there's no phones at the table. And we just have, we laugh and we have fun. And it's taken us, I mean, I, I just want every family in the world to do this. I really do. It's such an incredible connection time. Another benefit of that is a break in those things that we're talking about, playing games, going outside and playing, which I wish they would do more. They used to do it a lot because that's what we let them do. But I'm just saying, like, if you do the work early, when you get to this point, I was ready for a battle, but it was like, he knows. He knows we're serious. He knows that we're bringing it up because it's a real concern. We're not just flapping hot air. We're not just upset. He knows I'm really stressed right now. He's not equating that to my response. He's equating reality and data of the past and trust like okay yeah you guys are right because we've proven over time that we're, we're in it to win it for him we're not in it to win it to make our life easier Ooh, that's a good one yeah that's a really good distinction okay so that was like consistency that was the black and white that was a hard work early there's a lot of communication in there like Tons. i don't even if guys if you if you picked up on all of those communication points and how scott laid those down that's probably different than most of us uh, are communicating with our kids. I, I certainly wasn't doing this before I started doing this work. And uh, there's a lot in there. And the emotional understanding of that, like the admittance of like, there's nervousness. You can see there's like some anger going on here. You didn't want to do it. It's like, man, you just have to be aware. If you want to lead your family well, you got to be an emotional master. And you also have to be a communicating master because this is where intimacy is built and trust is built through all of this kind of stuff. So this is important. The The last piece of this before we move on, uh, I think to maybe we'll segue into family leadership, I think in a moment here. Um, but like this moral foundation, there's a couple things. This, this is real for me now, right? Like I'm building my children up. I'm bringing this up in, um, you know, this, this new moral foundation for me. Um, and I think this is so important for guys. I actually talked about this in the last episode I did with Aaron, uh, one or two episodes ago. And it was like, he went through this whole spiel on like the importance of understanding your identity and what you believe about the world. I also had Ken Curry on, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he's like, if you want to stop being externally referenced and be internally referenced, which is like, I know who I am and why I do things. First question is, what do you believe about the world? I'm like, man, I understand the, what do you want? Where are you going? What do you need? But why do I care about like what the basis of existential life is? Like, who cares about that? And yet, man, it's important. So I don't know if you want to like riff on that, if you want to go into how you, you know, approached the moral foundation in your family. Um, but I think this is like a key piece that is not really accepted to talk about anymore no. for whatever reason. And it's vital, I'm finding. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you, you know, I'm... I have my Christian faith. I've, I've been like that my entire life. I've definitely questioned it. I've definitely done a lot of research, a lot of soul searching, grown over the years. 
I'm going to go out on a limb, even say like, if you're not a Christian, you've got to have a foundation. You have to have a moral foundation. What is happening in our society right now is that we don't have a moral foundation. Like I would even go to the point, I'm probably going to lose some of your listeners here or people that don't like me. I'd even go to the point that this whole green movement, this whole earth first movement, which I'm like, I, I want the best for our earth. Like, give me a break. I am not the opposite of that. Um, is almost people searching for a foundation. I don't have a belief system, so I'm going to believe that my purpose in life is saving the earth and doing everything I can. I firmly believe that a lot of that comes from people not having a moral foundation, a cornerstone to lay everything down against. It is the absolute essence of success in family, in personal development, in your impact on the world, it's how you make decisions and every decision should be measured against your values. Every stinking decision needs to be measured against your values. If you do not know what your values are and values often come from some sort of moral belief system, then you're really wandering and you're doing a massive disservice for your kids. This is where kids become confused. They don't all of a sudden, oh, this is the worst. All of a sudden, it's like, this is my truth. Well, BS, there is no, like, everybody has their own truth. Yes. There is truth. And then there is, like Jordan Peterson would say, like, emotional dysfunction, behavioral and um, progressive dysfunction. You are in a, like a Piaget or, excuse me, in in one of the very lower tiers of emotional growth. And so this is basis of how we lead an amazing family. And if you want to look at the history of cultures that have lost that, every single one of them has been destroyed. Every single one of them that stripped away their foundation has been destroyed. So history proves itself. And you know, another historical thing, I believe up to recently, every single mass shooter school mass shooter was fatherless or lived in a single family home. Like we have to look at the data. We have to look at the circumstances. We have to look at the history so that we know why and what's happening. So we should be learning from those. So the moral foundation is a absolute no brainer. And gentlemen, if you do not have one, sit down with your wife, your loved one, your fiance, whatever it is, and have a really deep conversation. What do we believe? What do we believe about this world? We need to know because we need to base everything we do on that. My wife and I um, did a end of year trip. So I took her away. We went to a hotel, bought her a nice dinner, uh, got a really fancy room, had chart paper, big old 3M chart or sticky note chart paper. And we went over our family values. We defined them so incredibly like, boom, boom, boom. We're going to get a big old thing made. We wish we would have done this 10 years, but they've always been there. We've always kind of unspoken known. And I look at those and I'm like, those are morally based. Those are based on the foundation we have in our belief system. Um, so we've been operating from those. That's just a challenge to people. Literally sit down with your spouse and have some deep, deep discussions about how you really want your family operating system to look. Mm, I love that. Thank you for the actionable challenge on that. And you know what? I was thinking about this. It's like, you need that as a father to lead the family. But what happens when we extrapolate our children out into the world that you just mentioned, which is if we do not show them 
or teach them or bring them up in some values system, some deep belief, moral foundation, they will therefore be the ones who are rudderless and they will then be the ones seeking. And so you are failing your children if you do not give them some idea of what this looks like, because they will, as human beings, naturally gravitate to some form of meaning, because I think that's just inbuilt in us. And if it's not the right one, if it's not a good one, if it's not a fruitful one, then man, there's just so much sadness that can come from that for kids. And that's Honestly, I, I will call out dads and say that's your responsibility to do that in your family. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Another thing that we did, you know, and we're not perfect. We are very far from perfect. We have had success and we are experiencing success. But another thing that we've done is even from this trip, we brought that home. And, and I want to talk about communication. I, this is so incredibly important. We went over a budget. We went over a goal for our year for income because we're both self-employed. We went over a stretch goal and we went we went for the big goal. And then we did our family values and then we did a family trip and we planned all these things. And we came home and we had a family meeting and we said, hey, your mom and I spent, you know, eight to 10 hours doing this. We're going to present them to you. This is not written in stone because we want to explain to you how we got to where we're going, but we want to hear you. So we went through the family values first. That was incredible. My boys were like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because we, one of them was we value experiences over things. And so then we were able to talk about, then when we went to our, well, first one was Christ first. I mean, we, that is, you know, I believe in tithe. I believe in giving your first, like this first of the year I've been, I've been, um, my church does this thing where you fast a certain things. So the first, God is first in everything. My day starts with God. It's like everything I do, I, you guys can audit me like just doesn't go away. It is a part of my inner working, but um, we value experiences over things. And we've talked to them. Hey, this year we went to the Gulf coast. We went to um, Idaho. We went, I mean, we, we laid out all the things and like, first we said, what was the best part of this year? And those were the things they talked about. And so we're like, yes, this aligns. And we shared it with them and they said, Hey, and here's what we're thinking we're going to do this year. And they were like thrilled. We went over those family values. They're like, I don't think we could have it any better, but we were willing to change those with family input at that age. Right. Um, so we have buy-in and these are, these are just things that you can do, but the reason they align with our values is because we've been talking to them about it since day one, unashamedly. And like, even through our challenges, Kurt, and this is something I talk to men on my podcast a lot about when I fail, when I've done something wrong, when I've made a decision, this comes from micro decisions to macro, micro failures to macro, micro success to macro. They know guys we're having a tough month. And as a solo entrepreneur, as a business owner, this can happen. Here's a decision that I made six months ago. And looking back has led to where I might be $5,000 shy this month. But I want you to understand that the decisions I made are the reasons we are going through this tough part. We as men have to have those conversations because all we're doing is setting them up for success in everything I do. I want people to audit me on this. I tell them everywhere I fail. I, I just do. And I tell them everywhere I succeed. But guess what they do? They can identify where they're failing and they can identify where they're succeeding. And we've learned to mind the gain over the gap. If you haven't read that book, The Gap and the Gain, they've learned to see. They've learned to pay attention to the growth, but they've also learned to see failures and how that's led to growth. So all now their focus is, is on 
the gain. We're always looking at the gain. This was a failure, but it led to this place where we're not going to do that to again. And that's a gain. And we got to just start so early. We have to talk openly, emotionally. I mean, my kids have seen me cry. Um, not often, but they see me cry and they know exactly why. I'm not going to hide it. They've seen my wife and I argue and they get embarrassed when I grab her butt. But like <laughs> I tell them every week, at least my prayer for you is that you have a relationship with your wife. Like I have a relationship with your mother. We are best friends and we do argue. But that's because we love each other dearly and we're two different people. But then they see the process. They see, like, we may argue and they get a little uncomfortable. And then an hour later, we're totally normal. We will tell them. I, I will go to them and say, hey, I was rude to your mom. I want your, I asked for her forgiveness. I would like your forgiveness for you having to see me be so disrespectful. Guys, it's hard. But I'm telling you what, your boys are going to do the same thing. They're going to treat their wives incredibly well. The key to a happy man is emotional intimacy. If you can establish emotional intimacy in your marriage with your spouse, you are going to see so many, so many returns. And another thing, if you have daughters, you are laying the foundation. You are laying the future of her life. She's going to find someone who treats her the way you treat your wife. Let me say that again. She's going to find someone who treats her the way you treat your wife. If you don't treat your wife like a queen, if you don't serve her with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your body, her future husband is not going to. I want you to really let that sink in. And it doesn't mean, I told you this earlier, Kurt, this doesn't mean happy wife, happy life. This is not what yeah, I go into that. I want to hear that. I mean, I, every time I've talked about like, I serve my wife, I, I like, and I fail all the time. But my goal is just serve her. I pray every morning that every single one of her wildest dreams comes true and that I'm able to make be a part of that and make that happen. But I'm still a leader in the home. I'm still the leader in our family. In fact, she even says to me, I'm so glad that when things hit the fan, you are resolute. You know what to do. She goes, you are the leader. I am unashamed. And she's a very driven woman. She's very driven. She's very independent, but she will literally tell me, I'm so glad I can rely on you to make the final call. And when there's big decisions, she'll weigh in, but she says, I'm going with whatever you say. And that's hard sometimes. So I want to delineate here that happy wife, happy life is a lame way, is, is a cop out to really stepping up to what you are supposed to be as a husband. I don't know what else to say. It's Serve her and understand that the road to great sex, the road to great emotional intimacy, the road to success with your kids, the road to success in your business, in your career is being emotionally available and serving to your wife, emotional servanthood. And by that, like, let me give you a really practical thing. My wife will come with me in the morning with something she's stressed about. I'm like, okay, here's what you need. Boom, 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 boom. And just like, I can solve this problem. And this is what men do. And I've learned through courses that we've taught and through going through courses and understanding her love languages and time, being married 26, going on 27 years now, 
that might not be what she wants. And I think, I've, I don't know if I went over this on the last podcast with you. I tell this all the time. When my wife comes to me stressed, upset, concerned, or has a problem, I will intentionally learn to stop and say, before we go any further, would you like me to help you solve the problem or would you just like me to listen? Game changer, man. Game I started changer. doing that too. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about emotional intimacy. That's what I'm talking about being tuned in. And there's so many other like action points I could tell you to take, but, um, it is a, it is a tool that will rock your world. And it will, as, as problem solvers, typically it will be very difficult for you to do. You will have to. And, and what I've learned is when I come in that way, and she says, I just need your support and a hugger, a holder, or whatever it is I need, or just listen without looking at my phone, s- turn it upside down and scoot it far where I can't reach it. Um, by the way, be visual with those things, be intentional with those things. And then she'll later come back and say, okay, I'm, let, how do I solve this problem? What do you think I should do? And then I get to do what I like to do. And I get to come in. I'm like, okay. And man, did we have a breakthrough this year. I mean, 26 plus years. And she made a move um, strategically for her business that she would have normally just copped out of. But it was because I came to her and I listened. And I said, I have ideas. I let her talk. And then later, I was. she said, okay. And I kind of said, okay, here's what I think. Um, here's, you know, I know that your instinct is just kind of fold and do what it is, but we're talking about like a $3,000 a month difference between just having this conversation and just folding. She went ahead, faced into the storm, tackled that conversation and it was no brainer. The person was like, yeah, okay. Like perfect. And, and she's like, I would have folded every single time. The only reason that worked is because I shut up and just listened. Man. Okay, and, and here's something we don't talk about often on here because usually, you know, guys have a lot of work to do before they get to this point. This also is how, at least I've experienced, uh, an increase in intimacy. And I mean that emotionally, but also physically because I hear so often from guys that they're like, well, I initiated and then she rejected. And so like, I just, uh, whatever, resent, resent, resent. And guys don't understand that women... And I'm going to say all women, but who knows? You know, I'm not a woman. I can't identify like that, even though I try really hard sometimes. It's still not real. Uh, (laughs) I I can't stress enough that the emotional safety, the psychological safety needs to be there for the intimacy and the trust to happen. And so as the man, when you're ready to go at the flick of a switch, because that's how most of us are wired, that's not how she operates. And as the leader in the marriage, you've got insane influence. And if you do what Scott is saying in all aspects of your relationship, I found at least, it's like you can hold that space. You can bring her to the space where she feels safe and seen and loved and soothed. Then she'll come back to you maybe later. And dude, this is why I say foreplay should be all day. It's not a five minute before sex thing. It should be all day because you're there intimacy, intimately for her. Later on, she'll come back to exactly what you just said. And rather than... Hey, I think I'd like your help now. It's, hey, I'm ready to go now. Yeah. That is, man, like, this is so important on everything you guys want out of marriage. Uh, I don't know if that brings anything up, but uh, I just want to get that. (laughs) So every time I bring this up, guys, free. So I'm so glad you opened the door for me. And I'm sorry. Let's do it. I will, I, I say this with caution because I know 
not everybody lives under a cookie cutter of Scott and my wife's marriage. I, I, I understand. And we're very clear. We've worked with um, many couples that have gone through infidelity and saved their marriage. We've done a lot of work in this area. So understand. But the equation is the same for every guy. Like, look, guys, if your wife had, uh, you know, like has a work husband where they're not really they're not sexually intimate, but it's, you know, it's kind of weird. They're, you know, go to lunch together and, you know, you, you know, the thing that's because you're, this is on you. It's because you're not fulfilling an emotional intimacy need for her. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you if your wife cheats on you, it's because you weren't filling an emotional need for her. Now there are psychologically unstable people. And I want to be very clear about that. Take responsibility, 100% responsibility Blame her all you want. It's going to do you no good. But I would tell you if your wife went out and had an affair tomorrow and you found out about it the next day, and instead of pushing blame on her, all you did was focused on what we're talking about, really digging into emotional intimacy, really learning that language, understanding her love languages, tapping into those, and then getting really into this emotional intimacy, you'll save your marriage. If you can put away your anger and forgive, you will save your marriage. And guess what? It'll be a hundred times better. But here's the part that people get really squirmy when I talk about your sex life will be through the roof. If you make this a practice, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't say this to brag. She serves me in that area. She has, I'm, I'm sure she enjoys it as well, but she serves me in that area. And we're talking about guys, you could be having sex once a week, once every other week, once a month. I know a lot of guys that said it's been three months. It's been four months. We're talking about three, four times a week. What guy doesn't dream of that? I'm, I am absolutely, I'm handing you the golden key. Kurt and I are handing you the golden key. This is it. This is your sex life key. I, I want to hand, I want to put it in your hand. If you can practice this every day, it may take you years because you need to, you need to act the way you acted when you were pursuing your wife to marry her. That's what you need to do. You need to go back to dating your wife. You need to be going back to, man, I want to get laid. And the only way it, it's not an expectation anymore. It's not just an advance. It's a, I got to work for this. And that work is emotional intimacy work. Because if you think about that drive you took when you were dating and you just sat in the car, no, no phone, no interactions, and you talked for hours, you were fulfilling a, a, an emotional need for her. You need to get back to that. And so this done repeatedly without expectation from you. Hey, I've been spending all this time, you know, <laughs> ooh la la, come on, you know, or walk in without your pants, you know, on and doing helicopter, whatever you think is sexy, right? But without that garbage, I would, unless there's a physiological issue, which is very possible as well. I want you to very much understand that there's hormonal issues, um, which you need to talk about. You need to understand you need to get tested for, but without those thing elements in place, you will be a very sexually active couple and you will be very sexually satisfied. Very. And I'm just experience time, doing it wrong time, doing it right. Helping other people get to that place. Um, emotionally, 
I've seen it over and over and over again. This is the golden ticket, guys. I can almost promise you it works unless your wife has a physiological or emotional issue that is medical grade or or worse. So, man, the the title of this is going to have to be the golden key to a sec- better sex life or something. This will yeah. be the most downloaded episode ever. <laughs> yeah, man, and that's so right. You're absolutely sorry. Go ahead. There, there's one other thing. A couple recommended a book called Between the Sheets. Or no, 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 no. Sheet music. Sheet music. And it's actually by a Christian couple. And there's a lot of people that think it's a little too... I mean, uh, they talk to the women about why they should be performing oral sex and how to do it. Like, literally. I'm Kim and I read that. And it was incredibly beneficial for both of us understanding some very different nuances in sex, in the sexual relationship, in the response of certain things we do and why we do them. Um, so... That's a hard one. Like I was like, Hey, Kim, I ordered this book and I just put it over there. And that was the, that was it. I just put it over there. And then, you know, like five months later, all of a sudden I see her reading it and I'm like, okay, time for me to read it. And, um, so, you know, don't just say, Hey, we need to read this there. You've got to have the nuance and the, <laughs> and the massaging of your message. Yeah. And well, that's part of the leadership thing too, right? It's like, I would have loved all the way along my journey to be like, babe, you got to do this. It's working and I'm going to like make you do it. And it never would have been done. Like no. I, I know cause I've tried that and it never works. But if you're like, I'm so excited about this and I'm going to tell you about this and look at this thing I did. Oh man, it's so good for me. And then leave it. Yep. And eventually almost every single time she's like, Hey, that thing you mentioned, I tried that and it works. I'm like, wow, like that's so awesome. Let's, let's talk about that. But leading through nuance and patience rather than trying to ram everything home. And man, we're getting really deep in the new in the uh, innuendos right now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm still laughing about the helicopter thing. <laughs> but man, I think uh, that's something, man. I'm like, uh, I, you know, the things we do. Wait, so, so that doesn't work. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I, I, I will stop doing that then. My bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so I think we touched a lot on what I want to touch on anyway, which is like the family leadership role. Guys, this whole conversation was family leadership, okay? Yeah. So we're not even going to go into that because you just got... I'm honestly, dude, this is some of the most pumped up I've been on a podcast because, and this is my ego talking, I'm like, I agree so hard with everything you're saying and I love this because guys are going to hear it slightly differently than me or someone else or whoever else are listening to. This is so important. Everything we just touched on is not what people are talking about. It's always like just the alpha bro stuff. And you know, and there, there's the alpha bro stuff. There's the soft, flowy, effeminate man stuff. Nobody's talking about how to balance them. And this is the beauty. This is what is true. This is what gives fruit I have found is sitting in this balanced middle of granted masculinity where you are a savage on one side and you'd kill someone for your family and then you come home and they feel so safe because you're gentle. Like, man, that is it. That is how you lead. And you have to know where you're going how you're going to get there, which Scott touched on. You got to know what to do with your kids. You got to know how to lead your wife. And all of these things are based on like the firm foundation of values, moral framework. You just got to like, this was a masterclass guys. And I want to make sure, uh, actually, you know what? I'll give you a couple more seconds to go into anything else that's coming up. So we don't just like cut this out, but uh, I want to get into how to maybe do this for a guy who hasn't really experienced it before. And one of the best ways for me is Community, but I want to get into that in a second. Oh, so, yeah. any last thoughts on this? Yeah, I want to talk about um, dad bods. <laughs> oh, let's go. We are getting yeah. canceled here. Let's yes, go. Uh, like that's just BS. Literally, you need you need to serve your wife through your body. And like, look, you might have a disorder or something that prevents you from being cut. 
I'm five foot six. I mean, everything's working against me. I'm a husky build, but look, I, I do the work. I'm in the gym five days a week, absolute minimum. I work out probably 13 times a week. Um, very, very methodical. I still enjoy it. It's built in so ingrained in my, in my, um, routine that it's, it's, it's a ritual. It's not going away no matter what weather I'm out there. So my wife comes home from the post office here and she, this is a couple months ago and she looks at me and she says, thank you. And I'm like, what, what? She goes, thank you. I'm like, okay. She goes, I just got back from the post office and I'm not sure men understand how to look like men anymore. She said they had man boobs, no muscles, carried themselves, um, womanly, timid, unshaved. I mean, I, I have a beard, but you know what I mean? Um, unkept. Uh, I mean, she just went on and on and she goes, I find you incredibly sexy. It's not because it's because I do the work. It's because she knows I care about my body. One, the Bible tells me my body's a temple. I'm serving this way. I'm serving her this way as well, but I'll tell you what, my boys aren't going to have a bad, bad dad. My son, like six months ago, my 18 year old, he had his shirt off and my wife and I both like looked at each other. He looks like death. Like he looks like he was in an, like an, an encampment, like every single, um, spinal column was like just, and we've never had luck with him working out, but we have lived that life. I've told them, I don't feel like working out. I didn't feel like working out today. But I went and did it because I know that it makes a difference. We talk, This is that communication thing. We've lived it. We've talked it. And we've talked to the struggles of it. Since then, my son has picked up some programming. And he's literally getting ripped. Literally. Like, I, I, it's not even the same body. My 14-year-old a year ago said, Dad, I want to start working out. I'm like, oh, right, well, here we go. We're going to do three days. And he started showing up in the gym at 5.30 a.m. He's a middle schooler at this time. Every single day he's lifting weights, whether I'm there or not. This is because we have talked through the struggles. We've talked through the, the reasons why we do it. And they also see Kim admiring me for my fitness and me for her fitness, she's like 7% body fat. She's ripped. She does videos for women. But like they see the benefits. And this is what I'm talking about. You cannot let your fitness go. There's just zero excuse. Guys, I work so many hours a week right now. It's insane. I am burnt on every end of my calendar. I'm being honest with you. But I still work out once or twice every single day. And it always resets me. Um, so I just think that the bad... Dad bod thing has to go away. You cannot give yourself excuses anymore. And look, it didn't take you three months to get there. It's going to take you just as long to get where you want to go. So overnight success is usually your five or six year plus journey. So I need you to have that over kind of overnight success. Oh, man, excellent, excellent way to to finish that off because yeah, it's it's not it's just not acceptable. I mean, there, there's no room for average as a dad and a husband. And when you are serving your wife like that, I don't think a lot of guys understand that. 
You know, like I think that was the missing piece that not a lot of guys talk about. And I've, I think this is one of the things that got me shadow banned on Instagram. I said you should be able to uh, a real man can bench press his wife, not run his kids. And I said something about a dad bod not being acceptable. And they uh, they called that like uh, insulting speech and banned me for a little while. So uh, anyway, I'm good. I can't wait to share. Can't wait to share this on Instagram. Uh, okay, so I want to touch on like a practical piece of doing this work because I dude I spent so many years like, I don't know, probably seven years alone doing the work. And I was like getting far and then I slide back down. I get far, slide back down. And it wasn't until I like actually started doing this with other men that things changed. I know that you are a huge proponent of that. You've got the Facebook group, you've got your own groups, you've got your programs, you've got the, the, um, the podcast. And I wonder if you want to just like talk about how to do this work as a man especially to those lone wolves out there who are like oh no i just do it myself um like okay you'll get a little bit far but you'll never make it all the way just fyi um you want to just touch on this a little bit and the kind of the work you're doing in this space yeah so i the entire reason i do what i do is so that other men don't make the mistakes that i made like you know you and i were, were on this mission to lay out a path of success uh for men and Last year, I had my first event, and I knew the power of doing things together with other men. I think I underestimated about a million percent. Um, the growth and massive boost to their marriage, to their income, to their relationships, to their um, what they're doing with their kids, out of just spending committed time with other men talking about these things and doing cool stuff to, together. Like the, the ROI on this is astounding. My first event, I sat down, we were sitting around a fire pit and we just got done eating and I pulled them all together, like kind of give them like the, why I'm doing this. And I talked, I gave my little speech. None of them were there to see me. They were there to tap into something bigger. And um, I was very raw with them. You know, I'd lost a friend to suicide who was supposed to be there. And um, I told them the why I do these things and where I want them to be. And I told them the Buffalo story. And I was very, very direct. And we, then I said, I want you guys to share why you're here and tell us a little bit about yourself and share why you're here. Immediately out of the gates on that, that fireside chat, um, boy first guy, I don't want to be here. I looked for every single excuse to not get on the plane. I was trying to be late for the connection. I am scared to death to be sitting around a fire with 20 other guys that I don't know and be with you for three more days. But I love my wife and I want to do right by my kids. And I know that I have to step out of my comfort zone. One after another after another, they all had a little bit different things they were saying, but most of the guy, these guys had never met. Almost none of them had ever met. They were stepping way outside of their comfort zone. Gloves were off at that point. That from that entire weekend, incredible relationships were bonded, were created, formed, continue to form. Marriages were saved. Men were doing things they should not have done, went home, told their wife, went through the hell and are now are living on a whole new level with their wife. And I'm not saying you're going to go through hell if you come, but I'm saying you're going to become the Buffalo who's looking at that storm saying, I can either walk 
away from it and then be stuck in it for a long time or just ignore it and hope it never comes around. These are the issues between you and your wife, the way you're raising your kids, the things with work, um, not living up to your potential, or I can be the storm warrior and I can turn right into that storm and I can go home and I can say, babe, we're doing this different from now on. And this is what men did. And it's insane. I still am getting messages. I'm still having conversations with these men. And more importantly than anything that has to do with me, they are all talking on very, very uh, intimate levels, helping each other through hardships, through marriage issues, through kid frustrations, through job changes. It's insane. Guys, if you want to level up, you have to do work with other men. You have to let go of your social armor. You have to like let it down. You have to understand that the warrior who is accomplished and is a killing machine, if you looked at his armor, it's beat to hell. It's been knocked on. It's dented. It's scratched. It's not shiny. That's because that guy has been to war. And here we are, we're pretending we have these nice shiny armor on and everything in my life is okay. And that's just not true. Not one of you is living the life that you think you can live. Until you show other men your battle wounds and let them show you yours and then step into that that place where you become a more refined warrior, a more refined husband, a more refined um, leader, father, employer, whatever it is, you are not living up to your potential. And I do believe that the fastest way there is community. 100% agreed. Could not have said any of that better. And uh, man, thank you for that. And that, that's been true in my life. I've said, talked about it a lot. This was the thing. This was the thing. Community of men, intentional men who are like, hey man, like, how are you? And not just like, hey, bro, how's it going? It's like, no, 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 no. How are you doing? Uh, what can I help you with? What are you struggling with? And being able to share that with other men literally changed my life. Every single guy that I've ever sat in a group with literally changed his life. He's willing to show up and do the work. I know you've done this. You've talked about this. You've hosted these now. Um, and guys, it, if you want all these things that Scott just said and you're not sure where to start, why don't you just go hang out with Scott? <laughs> and I swear this isn't the, I'm it. not trying to pump. I'm not trying to pump you up right now. Um, but I want to make sure, cause I know you probably wouldn't have said yourself. Um, guys, Scott is doing another one of these events and I, I don't think I've ever had anyone on the show who I'm like, Oh, you should go do their thing because like, whatever, I got my own things. I want you to do my things in this case. This is a fully Kurt storing dad work approved. I want you to consider attending, uh, the next event that Scott does because he's for real. Okay, he's literally a personal mentor to me uh, and has had a massive impact on my life. So I just want to give that vote of confidence because I know from experience that this will change everything for you. Um, if you will stick around for another two minutes, please listen. Uh, Scott, I'm going to ask you to just give some details. I don't even know the details. Um, yep. It's sort of happening when my wife is going to be, uh, you know, giving birth, et cetera. <laughs> so would you, would you please let guys know where they could join? Um, because yeah, I would, I just want to support you, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been begging you to come, but it's kind of hard to fight that <laughs> argument. <Yeah. laughs> uh, so, and, and I want to be really clear. Don't wait on anything. What you need to do is literally, and, and I'm going to do this back. You need to find a program or a community immediately right now. This is not something I offer, by the way, I offer events 
Kurt offers community and the stuff that you can take action on right away. So like your ROI, your financial ROI, I do not know how it will look, but your financial ROI will be higher return on investment, by the way, will be higher than what you spend if you win it all in on both of us. I, I don't know how to like prove it, but I know it. I know it that I know it that I know it. So do the thing, put your fear aside, put your fear of money, your fear of loss, your fear of what your wife will say, your fear of what your bros will say, whatever it is, the fear of being vulnerable to other people and join whatever Kurt is offering, and I know he's got an amazing program, and book your trip to my event in June. It's like the first week of June. The website is thebrotherhoodoffatherhood.com. You can go to events page. Um, And I did two things. One, it's not cheap. You got to work to get there. It's a lot cheaper than all my mentors are telling me it should be. We're, it's a lot cheaper than doing nothing and losing your family. Yes. We're jam-packing it full of really cool stuff. We're going to shoot guns. We're going to roll jiu-jitsu. We're going to go on hikes and rucks. You get a bunch of sponsor stuff. It's really cool. We got cool guys coming to talk. Um, and these are guys I don't pay. I don't pay people to come. They're, they come because they want to feed into other men. So do that. It's also a hard place to get to. So you, you really, like, if you come, I, I automatically have a level of respect for you. You did the work. I could make it super cheap, super easy to come to and get a bunch of schmucks. So if you're not a schmuck or you don't want to be a schmuck, you're going to come and you're going to join these things because it's going to make the difference in your life, in your marriage, in your finances, all of it. Well said. Okay, we'll put that link in the show notes, dad.work slash podcast, if you guys want to check that out and uh, not be a schmuck. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start using that on uh, on the calls with the guys. Hey, do you want to be a schmuck? If not, <laughs> go to join me and Scott. Uh, no, man, I really appreciate that. And and I'm feeling right now like this was one of my favorite chats um, that I've had on here because, yeah, there's just like fire all the way through and um, very actionable content from somebody who's done that and been there. And like you guys were asking for more dads with teenagers and 20 year olds, please. And uh, here we go. So Scott, man, thank you very much for being on. I appreciate everything um, that you share with me between us and and on this podcast. Like this was just no holds barred. So uh, go check out everything Scott has to offer. He also has a podcast, Brotherhood Fatherhood. um, And I'll link all that in the show notes. Again, dad.org slash podcast. Man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.